Tate Chronicles now transmitting. Welcome to the Tate Chronicles on Healthcare Now Radio. And now, here's your host, Jim Tate. Good day, citizens of the free world from border to border, coast to coast, and to all the ships at sea. I bring you a warm welcome. This is your correspondent, Jim Tate. And thank you for tuning into the Tate Chronicles. Join me as we cut through the fog that exists at the leading edge of healthcare technology. I'm really pleased today. My guest is Samantha Taylor. She's the ONC Testing and Certification Director at Lidos. Lidos is a um, authorized testing and certification body authorized by the ONC. Uh, and they perform uh, testing certification for health information technologies. Samantha, thanks for joining the Tate Chronicles. Thank you today, Jim. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk to you. Um, um, we'll get in kind of some of the details of some of the things I'm interested in, uh, in terms of uh, what we can look forward to uh, maybe in 2024 and some maybe new challenges for developers. But first, uh, uh, I know Lidos uh, is relatively uh, one of the uh, newer players in the ONC testing certification body process. Uh, and so tell me a little bit about uh, Lidos and, and getting involved in this and the experience of the uh, folks that you've brought in to um, uh, kind of populate the Lidos team for certification and testing. Yeah, absolutely. So like you said, we are relatively new to the ONC testing and certification space. Um, we've been authorized since uh, 2021. So we've been around for about a year. However, uh, our team is pretty diverse with our wide range of healthcare and IT background. Um, I uh, obviously I have the privilege of overseeing both the testing side and the, the certification side. Um, and I bring a military background um, which helps complement my experience in interoperability and software development that I had prior to getting into the ONC space. Um, and I think this gives me a strong understanding of our developers' perspective and an appreciation for really well-defined processes. Um, some other things about our team, you know, our team has those this very diverse background. Uh, Georgia, who works on my team, she and I both have prior experience with ATLs and ACBs. And so we use this experience to shape our processes. Um, Georgia, she serves as our proctor, and she has about seven years of ONC experience. So she provides our developers with a really invaluable resource for understanding the testing process in a very relatable way, because she's been doing this for a long time. And prior to that, she was in the clinical areas. So she's she's kind of under, from a software perspective, that is. So she understands both sides of that world very much like I do. Um, and then our ACB manager, her name's Christina. And she has a background in health informatics, and she brings a very unique perspective with her experience in EHR training, optimization, as well as some of the quality payment program initiatives. So this has really helped us as we've streamlined our profit processes to make sure that we're really focusing on how we do ONC testing and certification and kind of do it a little bit different. So we've really taken a step back, even though we have experience in the ONC process from um, previous lives, we really looked at what is the ONC requiring us to do? What is our accreditation through NAVLAP and ANSI requiring us to do? So we've really streamlined all of that. And so we continually learn from our experiences and we do that so that we can ensure that we're remaining agile and flexible, especially with the ONC program, has how those program always is consistently changing so that we can meet our clients' needs in a timely manner. 
Um, one of the things uh, I wanted to talk to you about, Samantha, is the fact that uh, as a testing certification body, you have a really unique view because you see the health information technology developers and vendors bringing their applications and, and workflows to you for testing and certification. Um, so probably better than anyone um, uh, as a as a testing certification body, you can see some of the real challenges that kind of happen uh, with regularity across the board for vendors. And so what are the some of these challenges? Are they in uh, understanding the rules as to what functionality mm -hmm. they need or the challenges around documentation? Where do you see people having, uh, you know, difficulty? Yeah, I would say one of the main challenges we see is its distinction between the ONC and CMS. So while both of them fall under human health or health and human services, they're very separate um, divisions and they have their own final rules that each one of them are regula regulated by. So one of the most particular challenges that comes from that understanding is the requirements for CMS quality payment program initiatives, which then utilize the certification um, from ONC's perspective as part of their requirements for eligibility for these different incentive payment programs. So what that really means is we have developers or vendors come to us and they want to become certified and their motivator is the CMS incentive payment programs. And because CMS defines what those requirements are differently across each of their different programs, the scope changes for each of those different programs. So sometimes they'll come to us expecting us to understand what those requirements are. However, we're just accredited and authorized to discuss the ONC portion of the program, not the CMS portion of the program, which can make it challenging for our developers to gather the necessary testing and certification scoping information before they even get to the testing side. So that is one area we've definitely um, seen a lot of confusion and struggle and we do our best you know to point them to the right resources from a CMS perspective um, so that is definitely a difficult thing since we're not authorized to talk about that side of the house well and so uh, you know I mentioned challenges around functionality um, obviously there's also uh, challenges or just confusion around documentation uh, and so mm -hmm. uh, to, to me um, what I've experienced uh, in terms of document documentation is the, I believe it's G3, the safety enhanced design, mm -hmm. uh, report, document, file, whatever you want to call it. And um, uh, unless somebody, the first time somebody from a vendor encounters that requirement, they think, well, it sounds like I need to build a pyramid, but <laughs> I don't I don't know how high the, <laughs> the pyramid needs to, be built out of? Does it need to be built out of steel or wood or sand? Or um, mm -hmm. and so um, uh, some documentation re requirements are relatively simple. The safety enhanced design requirement uh, to me is is a heavy lift. And and the first mm -hmm. time uh, a vendor goes through that process, uh, it's a, it seems almost a shock to them to even understand how they need to accomplish it. I would agree, and it's interesting that you actually brought that up, Jim, because that's something that me and my team have been working through. So um, obviously when people come to us and, and they want to do G3, Safety Enhanced Design with us, um, one of the things that we do here at Lidos is we do um, some prep calls with our teams or our developers so that they understand what the requirements look at like. So we 
kind of break down to them, you know, this is a two part, it's not just one, there's the data as well as the narrative report. So you have to, you know, you have to interview people and you have to gather all this information around your system. One of the things that we have noticed is um, what is that baseline of information that has to be gathered? So we actually have a project in-house that we're working on to really well define what is the minimum requirement for this criteria as it relates to the other criteria within their scope so that we can then turn around and educate our clients on the front end before they even get to the point of gathering this information and gathering this documentation for us. So yeah, definitely I agree with you 100%. Safety enhanced design is one of those challenges um, and we are trying to help our developers navigate that in a, in a more effective and timely way because this program is complex um, and there is a lot of different aspects to it um, and developers have a lot on their plates and they have a lot of different priorities so we really want to partner with them to make sure they understand the requirements and try to make this process as simplistic and streamlined as that we possibly can you, you know and so uh, 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 the documentation around that safety enhances I mean just takes place uh, once, and of course, uh, that has to be success successfully completed uh, in terms of an uh, accepted, submitted documentation to get the uh, certification awarded. But there's some documentation that's required on an annual basis uh, as a conditions and maintenance of certification. I, I'm talking about real world testing. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I think real world testing maybe uh, uh, came up <laughs> out of the swamp about about two yeah. years ago. And, and it's not just a once and done thing. It's an ongoing process, annual process. Um, do you see, uh, and um, I may be over, oversimplified it here, Samantha, but it seems to me real-world testing um, is just an attempt on the government's part uh, to gather information, not only to see if particular uh, types of uh, health data or, or, or work processes of uh, generating transmission of care documents or uh, how many uh, uh, prescriptions or electronic or whatever it is um, they're just gathering information to see how much this functionality is actually being used there's no penalties around it uh, mm -hmm. whatsoever but they're gathering that type of data mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, have, yeah I would no. agree yeah. I would agree and I think they do that similarly with you know d12 and d13 as well the attestation criteria for multi-factor authentication um, and the other one, I think that that's just like a, a way for the ONC to gather data about these different um, aspects of the EHRs, including the real world testing. And I mean, I would believe that the ONC uses that to help inform future rulemaking. Um, and I would think that they're looking at what are they be doing from a real world testing as well as the biannual attestation questions that they ask and seeing how they can um, frame things for the future is, is really what I think that they might be doing with that data. Um, of course, real world testing, both the planning and the results aspect of it, that's a new part of certification for developers and it's taken them a little bit of time to get used to it, but I think they see the value in that. Um, and it can help set developers apart, you know, how robust or how much um, effort that a developer puts into their real world testing and, and their plans, it can be a real nice marketing tool for them. So I think there's a lot of value and it's used in a lot of different ways. 
And, um, you know, the, the first time um, a vendor or, or someone who's given a task uh, to generate that real-world testing plan and then to actually accomplish the next year the real-world uh, testing report based on the plan from the year before, um, uh, the, the first time, it's a pretty steep learning curve, but after they've done it mm -hmm. a year or two, um, I, I think it is just uh, much easier to understand. So ho hopefully most vendors can maintain some consistency in who's responsible for creating that documentation because it, there's a learning curve in it the first time through. Yeah, I definitely would agree. The first time was a little bit rough, but I do think it's a really repeatable process. Um, and just as things kind of change within their systems or they change the scope of their certification, then they, you know, have to add in an additional criteria. So, you know, the first time through, most people didn't have G10 within their scope, and now they do. Um, so they're now having to include that within their scope. So it's just an additional aspect that they have to take into consideration. Um, but I definitely think it's repeatable. And once they get through that first phase, it's not too bad. Um, but, you know, the, there's great resources on HIT.gov with, you know, the templates there that the ONC has provided. And then, of course, the ACBs are always there to answer questions. Um, of course, we're not doing a technical review. So we can't get too far in the weeds, but from a compliance and, and, and completeness check, we're definitely there to help them to make sure that they're they're including what they need to from from that perspective. Uh, before we uh, before I go to my next question, uh, let me say to anybody who's joined this conversation, I'm Jim Tate on this episode of the Tate Chronicles. I'm speaking with Samantha Taylor of Lidos, um, and so Samantha. Um, what differentiates, in your opinion, LIDOS from other ONC testing and certification bodies? Yeah, thank you for that question. So um, LIDOS is a Fortune 500 company. We have about 47,000 employees worldwide, and we're a leader across defense, intel, civil, and health markets, supporting both commercial and government clients. And our health business alone boasts over $3 billion in annual revenue. And we achieve consistent client success and a track record of understanding results by combining our in-depth understanding of our clients' needs and our distinctive blend of technology, clinical expertise, and operational proficiencies. So one of the other really cool things about us is our HI team has a unique approach to creating our testing certification processes for the OSC certification program. Our method is informed by our practical experience in health IT and clinical settings, kind of like I was talking about, you know, mm -hmm. with my experience at Georgia's and Christina's. So that coupled with our hand-on on involvement with the previous labs and certification bodies that we've worked with allows us to really look at what works and what doesn't work. And this practical uh, experience equips us to be able to discern what strategies have been effective, which have not. Um, and I really honestly believe one thing else that sets us apart or is unique about our team is we have a really deep conviction across all of us that are on the team. And we really believe in what our products, the products that our developers are building because we generally think that they benefit you and I as patients every single day. So we're really proud of the work we do, the work that our developers do. And we also believe that, you know, success may be defined differently by each of our developers based off their specific business needs. So no two developers come to the table with the same goal or the same reason for certification. And so our ability to uniquely understand what success looks like and move in an agile and flexible manner with them, I think also sets us apart. And we believe that partnering not only with EHR developers in their journey to achieve their certification goals, but also planning work 
on future endeavors with other testing and certification industry peers is really, really important. But ultimately, we believe that our success is only there if our developers are successful. Well, um, you know, and I appreciate you mentioned that uh, uh, the fact that, you know, the implication that you meet developers where they are uh, in, in my mm -hmm. work in, in certification. Sometimes a, a, a vendor reaches out to me and they're pretty far along uh, the road and they just need maybe a little bit of handholding or, or, you know, uh, but they're in pretty good shape. Other folks show up and uh, they need a lot of help. So uh, mm -hmm. there's not one size fits all, you know. That is of, for sure. At, at all of this. <laughs> um, uh, last year, 2022, it seemed like the big lift for developers was uh, G10, the Fire API. Um, and um, I, I know uh, that required using the uh, uh, Inferno tool or something like the Inferno tool. Mm -hmm. to mimic those smart on fire apps and uh, very complex uh, testing. Um, this year, uh, the kind of the new thing that's required by the end of the year is B10, electronic um, health information export. And so I'm often asked, um, well, if, if, we've, uh, if we've got the certified fire API G10, doesn't that cover B10? Mm -hmm. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, we've heard that comment before. And yeah, there's definitely been some confusion around B10, the, you know, electronic health information export criteria, as you said. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, the requirement is pretty clear from the ONC's perspective that it kind of just breaks it down to that if your product or your module stores any kind of EHI as it's defined by ONC or, you know, HIPAA type data, then the developer must not only expand their scope of certification to include that, but they also have to have that functionality to be able to export that either as a single patient or a group of patients, but they have to have that functionality rolled out by the end of the year. And I think that was one area that was very confusing. It wasn't just, you know, we need to, we store it and we have to attest to it. No, I have to roll out functionality to be able to export that. And another source of confusion we've noticed is how the HIT product is actually put to use. So meaning while a product has the capability to store the EHI, developers may face difficulties in determining how to implement it in, a, in compliance with the regulatory guidelines. And it's not just used within the context of storing patient data, it's about exporting that data. So it's definitely uh, been an interesting conversation with our developers. Um, the majority of our clients have had to implement this. Um, but one of the most important pieces of advice that we can offer is just to, you know, really take a deep dive into the ONC CCGs and their clarifications, because those clarifications on their website, um, the healthit.gov website, I think I mentioned that already, mm -hmm. are related to questions that the ONC has received. So they've kind of pulled all that information together, provided it out there for the developers. And then also earlier this year, uh, there was a developer roundtable call where Robert Anthony from the ONC did a deep dive into the explanations and clarifications related to B10. So we found that to be a really good source of information to help understand the different situations, whether it applies, whether it doesn't apply. And then of course, for the developers, if they think that their situation is uh, unique and maybe it doesn't apply to them, we always encourage people to reach out to their ACBs. Um, and if they're not wanting to do that, they're always welcome to, of course, reach out to the ONC. They have a JIRA ticketing system available to them on the healthit.gov website as well. 
And um, I, I know part of that requirement, and I know B10, unlike G10, uh, B10 is attestation only, but there is uh, uh, real documentation that's be uh, publicly provided. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, that I guess is really for the uh, provider's use as to the format uh, that the uh, data is in. And and even um, I, I've looked at some of these online. Sometimes they even really give a good detailed explanation for providers of the workflow of, of how yeah, to absolutely. export these. Yeah. Yeah, they need some sort of data dictionary as well as an understanding or an explanation of how that export actually works. Um, so those are the two things that folks are really needing to do to, to be able to meet this in, a, in a, a compliant way. So we're getting near the end of 2023. So 2024, do mm -hmm. you see any significant new required functionality in next year or two that vendors perhaps need to be aware of in terms of uh, new certification requirements or, yeah, or, I mean, or, mod or modifications to existing requirements, I should add. Yeah, definitely. I think all of the above. Um, I think like many others, we're all eagerly anticipating the release of HDI-1. Um, so predicting what exactly is going to come out of this new uh, rule is very challenging. Uh, but one of the things that stands out most significantly to me with this new proposed rule is the naming convention. Um, so for those that may not be aware, the ONC did release a new proposed rule in April of this year, um, and they propo proposed quite a few changes. Um, and once the rule has been proposed, they open that up to the public. There's a 60-day comment period where folks like you and I and the software developers or whoever has a vested interest in um, this program can make public comments to that. That public comment period's closed, and so now the ONC is now working through all those comments um, and writing the actual rules. And we're anticipating to see that hopefully released into this year or very early next year. Um, but one of the really interesting things that we noticed, like I said, was the naming convention has changed. And so over the history of the ONC program, we've had the 2011 edition, 2014 edition, 2015 edition final rules. And the ONC is proposing that we move away from that naming. Um, so one of the, this new name is, is like I said, HTI-1. But what that stands for is health data, technology, and interoperability. So that's the one thing that they have proposed. And, and it'll be interesting to see how they actually roll that out and how it affects um, the existing criteria or potential new criteria. Um, one of the other things that we have observed is the ONC's evolving approach to rulemaking, most notably back in June of 2020 when they released the 2015 edition CARES update. That marked the first instance where the ONC not only added and removed criteria, but it also modified existing criteria and also introduced varying compliance dates. So kind of like what we've been talking about with B10 and G10. So we anticipate seeing more of this in the future with HDI-1, and we anticipate advancements in the unique um, requirements as it relates to standards, particularly USCDI or the United States Data for Core Interoperability. So currently, developers, if you come for testing, you have to minimally include USCDI version 1. The ONC is suggesting that they might move everybody to version three, maybe version four. And I find that interesting because obviously the program uh, was rolled out in June of 2020 as voluntary, but we have not seen a huge um, influx of developers actually taking advantage of the standard version advancement process. So I think it's interesting how the ONC is now going to more than likely ask developers to update to version three or four 
and probably put a compliance date on that. We're predicting maybe the end of um, 2024, early 2025. But, you know, until that rule comes out, we won't know for sure. And and hopefully we're hoping that the final rule comes out before the end of this year. That way you Absolutely. Yeah. That would be um, a nice holiday present. <laughs> and, and, you know, um, of course, the, the buzzword this year has been AI. And so, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's some um, aspects of certified technology, uh, clinical decision support, uh, for one, I think that's A9. Is that, is mm-hmm. that yeah, mm-hmm. uh, that if AI is employed, uh, there's going to be some real documentation required. Yeah, I honestly believe that we're going to see a lot more uh, rulemaking in a more frequent basis to be able to remain agile with the changing ecosystem of the healthcare market. Because just as soon as, you know, G10 came out with the API criteria, which is obviously backed by FHIR, we're monitoring that to see how that's going to change and how that's going to, you know, evolve as AI becomes a more prevalent part of our lives. So between that and the clinical decision support, you know, they're changing, they're suggesting that we'll change the name of that to decision support interventions. Um, so that new standards, AI, it's it's all going to be very, very interesting in the next, you know, 24, 18 months, you know, that time frame to see what happens with things. Samantha, it's kind of hard to believe, but we're almost totally out of time. Before we say goodbye to our audience, um, how can our listeners find out more about the certification and uh, testing services offered by Lidos? Yeah, absolutely. Your listeners can go to our Lidos ONC Health IT testing certification page on lidos.com, or they're more than welcome to reach out to us through email at lidos-hit-program at lidos.com. Thanks for joining me on this episode of the Take Chronicles, and I, of course, offer a special salute to my guest today, Samantha Taylor of Lidos. Samantha, thanks for coming aboard today. Thank you so much for having me, Jim. I really appreciate your time and your audience's time as well. Thanks so much. You can find more information on this show's program page at healthcarenowradio.com. That's healthcarenowradio.com. Until we meet again, here's wishing you smooth sailing and safe harbors. Tape Chronicles transmission ending now.